an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Well, I want to talk to you tonight about the Father's heart. The Father's heart. And how many of you know that it's important for you and I as believers to know the Father's heart? Amen? And it's important for us to know the Father's heart because the Father's heart represents who He is. And whatever is on His heart, I want it to be on my heart as well. Does that make sense? Amen. And so uh, tonight, as we go through the Word and we open up the Word, uh, we're going to delve a little deeper, perhaps, into some things that, um, well, perhaps you've learned about them before, but, but to some of you it may be brand new. But I want to start out tonight with, um, in Romans, if you would, turn with me into Romans 16. And in Romans 16, starting in verse 25... The Word of God says, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Almighty God knows what He's doing. Amen? Amen. Always has, always will. That's what makes Him almighty. That's what makes Him God. Okay? And He's saying to us in this word here tonight, that there are certain mysteries that he wants to reveal that have been mysteries from the beginning of time, and yet he has done that through his word, through his scriptures, and using his prophets. He has done so in a way that we as believers need to understand the full impact of prophecy in our lives as we walk on a daily basis. Now please, when I talk about prophecy, I'm not just talking about personal prophecy, something that sometimes is given uh, publicly, if you like. I'm not just talking about uh, a, a prophetic word that God may give you personally in the quiet place, okay? But I'm also including the actual prophetic words that God has spoken to us in His Word. And oftentimes, oftentimes, we sometimes bypass those prophetic words because they're in the old book. The Jews, of course, call it the Tanakh. And they do not receive the attention, this is my own personal opinion, 
that even a prophetic word that was delivered publicly in the assembly would receive. But God is calling us, I believe, as the body of Christ. He's given us a massive worldwide assignment. And it's a kingdom assignment. It's an assignment that involves people. And that, that assignment calls us to be responsible to fulfill prophecy because we carry the testimony of Jesus in our hearts. And in Revelations 19 and 10, the Word of God says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That means, saints, that the body of Christ, of which we are all a part, is a prophetic people. And we need to see ourselves as prophetic people. The prophetic gift has not just been given to one or two people in the, in the, in the body. The gift of prophet is a cherished gift. But we need to understand that there is prophetic preaching, that there is prophetic wisdom, prophetic words that come out of us all day long, and sometimes we don't even, we don't even recognize it as such. But if the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus, indwells us, that means that that spirit is within us. And that spirit needs to be shared. It needs to be given away. Um, the body of Christ as a prophetic people commands that we just don't passively look for prophecy to come to pass, but instead we take an active role in participating with the plan of God prophetically. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, We walk by faith and not by sight. Well, there it is, right there. So God is always challenging us to come higher and higher and to expand. And I look back on, on my own life and my own ministry, and when, um, when we first started, Joni and I were ministering as teachers to married couples. And we literally, that was our full-time, almost our full-time ministry, we traveled all over the world teaching marriage principles to married couples. And we saw tremendous, tremendous results. And we saw the Holy Spirit working in a marvelous, marvelous word. At the same time, God was moving in my life prophetically. And going to speak uh, to Chrissy just a little bit tonight as my one of my dear little sisters but by God's grace and I give God all the glory for this but I prophesied over one of Chrissy's younger brothers when he was in vitro when he was in the womb 40 years ago? How, how old is he? 36, 35? Okay, 35 years ago. Okay. And um, when the Lord called me to do that, 
you know, I questioned him. I hesitated. I said, Lord, isn't there some other time we can do this? I said, Lord, what if, what if it's a girl and it's not a boy? I mean, all this stuff goes through your head. You know, it's just, it just, you know. Uh, but back then, I was young and foolish in the Lord and um, brave. <laughs> the, the Jewish people might even call it mashugana, which means crazy, okay? And so I stepped out, and uh, Chrissy's mom was up on the stage. She was in the worship team, and she came off the stage with her big belly. And I said, come over here, sister Deb. And so I prophesied over her about that baby and about how God was going to use him later on. And he has done just that. Amen? Okay. So there was a, a yearning um, to do those things that I knew God had called me to. That was to teach and, and, and to prophesy. And then uh, several years later... Um, this wild man from South Africa came to town. Many of you know him or know of him, Rodney Howard Brown. And just down the road, about 35, 40 minutes uh, at our church, um, he brought revival, Holy Ghost revival, like none of us had ever, ever seen it before. Amen? And I'm not going to go into it in detail, but he laid hands on me the very last day that he ministered there, and the word of the Lord came, and it said, Go! 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 And so I took Joni by the hand, and we went, okay? And we wound up in uh, places like uh, Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, uh, Haiti, uh, Trinidad, Guyana, uh, England, uh, Br uh, Brussels, uh, uh, Brussels, Belgium, uh, Israel, etc., etc. And so God was now doing something different. He He was using me as as, as an evangelist. And then one day, on the, after seven, six, seven, eight years on on the field, uh, and I can almost tell you exactly where it was because it was in Brussels, Belgium. Uh, God started to speak to me about the P word. Rodney had often talked about the P word, and I knew exactly who he was talking about. He was talking about pastors, because he, he had a love for pastors, but he also had some correction for pastors, okay? And he so convinced me, having sat under his teaching for so long, that I didn't want to have anything to do with the P word, plain and simple, okay? However, once again, God won out. And I'm kind of glad he did, but I'm also glad that P-word part is over with, bless the Lord. So I wound up ministering to people in the jails and the prisons, people who were addicted to drugs, who were addicted to alcohol, and even those who had uh, sex addictions as well. Um, it, was a, it was a fun time, but it was time to move on. And... Um, that was about 15 years ago. And then God started to speak uh, and kind of challenged me uh, in another area that I thought was just way, way off course and something that I really didn't know very much about. 
But as God often does it, he uh, talks to us uh, in ways that um, are mysterious initially, but as time goes by, we can see his hand and we can see his direction, etc., etc. So what I'm talking about is a way that God does this is by speaking to us through his word so that um, we can become committed to what I call a kingdom cause, a kingdom cause. All kingdom causes require a kingdom commitment. Um, and a kingdom commitment is a resolve uh, or a course of action that is based on a conviction that's established by God's word. And it comes about simply because you and I desire to please God and to follow after his heart. Amen? So there are these times in your life when God will call you to uh, just to be a servant, perhaps to be a deacon, uh, perhaps to wash the dishes or clean the floors or whatever, whatever, uh, perhaps to help out with the seating. Uh, but God loves, loves small beginnings. Amen? And he loves to take you exactly where you are and bring you along to another level and then to another level. And when you grab a hold of a kingdom commitment, you grab a hold of the heart of God. Because you say to God, God, no matter what it takes, I am totally yielded to you. I will totally submit to whatever your perfect will is for my life. You name it and I will do it. I will obey. And when you get to that point, you are clay in the master's hands and he is just waiting to shape you, form you, mold you, purify you, do whatever it takes to bring you into the fullness of that commitment. Amen? Jesus himself said in John 8 and 29, And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. That please him. What did Yeshua do? Yeshua did the will of the Father. Yeshua knew what kingdom commitment was all about. He committed everything that he had to fulfill the will of the Father. So where do we find the heart of the Father, the will of the Father? Well, it's right there in the Word. It's plain and simple as that. Now I'm going to shift gears a little bit tonight and get into one of my favorite areas, and that is the area of Aliyah. Aliyah is a Hebrew word that actually means ascent, going up. And, and it, it pertains specifically to going up to Jerusalem. Amen? And it is the, the process, the procedure, 
of Jews returning from all over the world to Israel in fulfillment of scriptures. Now, you may say, Brother Ted, Teddy, how do you know that Aliyah is the heart of God? Well, very simple. If God speaks in his word and tells us once or twice or even goes so far to tell us three times that this is what his will is, I think it's imperative that we listen to that, don't you? I mean, God's spending time to, in effect, repeat himself. Well, if you study the scriptures, and, and we have, God tells us 64 times in the scriptures that he wants to return his people Israel back to the land that he gave their forefathers. Sixty-four times. Saints, I believe that's the heart of God. God's heart is to bring his people back home, plain and simple. And I'll tell you from where Wendy and I sit, so to say, and the things that we have been exposed to over the last uh, several years, it's, it's, it, it's, it, it's mind-boggling. In um, December of 13, which is um, a little over six years ago, um, we sat in a meeting, uh, a meeting that could have been very, very similar to this meeting. In fact, it was a Monday night meeting. Who goes to church on a Monday night? When my friend said to me, you want to go to church tonight? I looked at him and said, what? He said, yeah, yeah, come on, why don't you come along? Well, we were visiting. He was going to church, so we went to church. Okay, simple as that. And we found out that the uh, pastor was uh, very prophetically anointed, and he and I knew each other, but not very well. But just about as he was ready to close the service for the evening, he called us out. We were sitting in the very last row in the corner, <laughs> trying to hide from him, you know. And God spoke, and, and he spoke a number of things, but specifically, he spoke about opening doors for us to go into the midst of Jewish enclaves, Jewish communities, Jewish gatherings, where, where we were not supposed to be. And, that, and, and God actually, actually said that. We were not supposed to be there. Okay? And about a year or so went by, and I, I would be reading that prophetic word uh, over and over and over again. And finally, I got a kick in the butt from the Holy Ghost. You know, the Holy Ghost will do whatever it takes to get you going. You need to understand that. And so I said, okay, what do you want me to do? He says, I want you to do what I told, told you was going to happen, but you need to do your part. I said, oh, well, how's that? I haven't gotten any invitations. He said, no, don't wait for an invitation. You knock on the door and you go. And the next thing you know, we were sitting in this opulent, opulent home of this Jewish lady that, believe it or not, had an indoor swimming pool inside of her house. And here we come walking into this house and with cathedral ceilings like beyond cathedral ceilings. I mean, I've never 
been in a house this size, this opulent, this, you know, obviously was a Jewish house. Um, and so we sat there that night amongst a whole bunch of people. We were complete strangers. We didn't know them. They, quite frankly, didn't know us. We, of course, introduced ourselves around a little bit. But we were there. We were there. And from that meeting, we met someone who then introduced us to someone, to someone, to someone. Do you understand how it works? Okay. But we had to make the move in order to participate with God's plan. You see, saints, if you don't realize it by now, particularly those of, of you who are part of this fellowship, that this thing called kingdom living is not a spectator sport. It's a participating sport. You've got to get involved. You've got to do something. You've got to put yourself where the action is. You've got to extend yourself. You've got to get a hold of this kingdom commitment based on the conviction of what you read in God's Word and then go for it. You need to have that burning desire in your heart to please God, to know His heart and to please God. And so when we come to Aliyah, we come to the very, very heart of God. Turn with me into 2 Samuel 7 and 10, please. 2 Samuel 7 and 10. And God says, Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. So God here is making it very, very clear that he wants to bring his people back to a land where he will plant them. And I, I love that word, plant, the action that God is taking on behalf of his people. Because we have been fortunate enough to have been to Israel. And one of the things that's happening in Israel is that is so remarkable, so incredibly exciting, is that things are growing. In a land that was once desert, in a land that was once barren, in a land that was just nothing but rocks and, and, and just all sorts of impenetrable uh, uh, obstacles, things are growing. And they're not just growing a little bit, they're growing a lot. In the desert, and they're bringing water into the desert, and, and some marvelous, marvelous things are happening. It's in fulfillment of God's Word. God said it, therefore it's a done deal. It's got to be. In Jeremiah 23 and 3, But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. There it is again. God says he 
has a desire to bring his people back to the land which they, from which he had driven them, and they shall be fruitful and increase. When Israel first started out, it started out with about 750,000, 800,000 people. That was back in 1948. Today, Israel has got well over 6 million people. Not just Jewish people. Arab people, Muslim people, people from literally all over the world. And to say that Israel is being fruitful is an understatement. I don't know how many of you got one of my most recent um, uh, emails uh, that I send out, we send out regularly through um, our ministry, Aliyah Ministries International. But Israeli scientists have just come up with, invented a mechanism whereby any person who is paralyzed from the waist down or paralyzed from the neck down can get around, can travel on a device in an upright position. Now that's, that's unreal because having, having a son who's in a wheelchair today uh, paralyzed from the waist down, I realize the importance of legs. He doesn't anymore. He says, Dad, you got legs, I got wheels. That, that finished that discussion very quickly. <laughs> okay. But these are some of the things that the Israeli people are, are, are doing, uh, and they're doing it on a global basis. Amen. Um, turn into Isaiah 11, please, baby. Isaiah 11, starting in verse 11. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time, we'll talk about that in a minute, to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush, and from Elam, and from Shinar, and from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Okay, the reason that you do not, you probably do not recognize the names, these foreign names, particularly Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, etc., uh, is at that time, they were the, that was the four corners of the earth there in the Middle East. Okay? So God is, is uh, using that uh, terminology, if you like, symbolically. But listen to what Isaiah says. The two important points here. Number one, the Lord says, It shall come to pass in that day that he shall set his hand the second time to recover the remnant of his people. Well, when was the first time 
that he recovered or rescued his people. Isn't it when they came out of Egypt and they were under bondage? Isn't that right? That was really the first Aliyah, if you stop and think about it. Okay? But it took them 40 years to get back into the promised land that God had already given them because of their stubbornness, because of their disobedience, because of their rebellion. You all know the story. We're about to celebrate it within the next couple of weeks or so at uh, Passover. But then the Lord, then the word of the God, uh, uh, the word of the Lord goes on to say here in verse 12, and he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel. Well, when he talks here about the nations, he's talking about basically Gentiles. For the most part, that's all of you here tonight, with the exception of my uh, beloved, who is Jewish. So he's talking about using the nations, using the Gentiles to facilitate this process of Aliyah. Now, you might say, well, why is that necessary? Why, why can't they do it on their own? Well, there was, in, back in, in uh, Nazi Germany, in the mid and late 30s and early 40s, an atrocity that occurred called the Holocaust. And during the Holocaust, there were six, over six million Jews that were murdered, murdered, because they were Jewish. And do you know that many of those people and their descendants and their families actually got, got out of Germany, got out of Poland, got out of Czechoslovakia uh, and some of those other countries ahead of time, but there were 30% of them that stood behind and said, this can never happen to us. We're Germans. This can never happen to us. We're Poles. And because of their blindness, they were later on massacred in the gas chambers, okay? So what's going to happen today to change things? Well, Wendy and I have been to a number of meetings throughout the country and even in uh, Israel, and we sit down with our brothers and sisters who have a heart for Aliyah, and we, and we kind of compare notes and we talk to them, and they're almost as much in the dark as we are. We know that we know that we know because God's heart is for Aliyah. The Father's heart is for Aliyah. The Father's heart is to bring his people back home. As to how they're going to get there, we don't know. Some of them are going to hop on a plane. But what's going to motivate them to get there? Because the people that we hang out with are from PGA Boulevard, Boca Raton, um, uh, Palm Beach Gardens, uh, North Palm Beach. These are very, very wealthy people. I mean, we had um, lunch a couple of weeks ago with a, with a doctor and his wife, very, very nice people. He happened to be the very first Jewish doctor. He was the very first doctor that came to Port Salerno, by the way. Some of you may even know him if I mention his name. <clears throat> 
But the fact of the matter is, we sat there and we talked with them, lovely, lovely people. And because of my real estate background, I always do a little background check later on. <laughs> Found out that his home's 8,300 square feet. That's 8,300 square feet. That's enough to put this whole place in like five times, okay? And his, his annual real estate taxes, $29,000. Real estate taxes. In addition to that, they live in a gated community with security guards. You can't get in unless you're approved ahead of time, et cetera, et cetera. And then when you get in to the inner circle, there's a clubhouse, of course, and a golf course and all the shenanigans uh, that go with it. And they pay monthly dues of about $10,000 a month to be a part of that. So do, do the math. You're talking, you're talking to people who are at least millionaires, if not multi-millionaires. What's going to get them out of their complacency, out of their comfort, out of their lethargy, out of their uh, unbelief, this couldn't happen to us, and get them to the point where they hop on a plane and give up everything to go back to Israel. Well, you know, the events that have happened around us in the last uh, six, eight weeks are things that most of us have never, ever, ever seen before. This is a, a, a new, some new phenomena that you can't do this and you can't do that and this is shut down, and that's shut down, and you got to watch out of this, and you, and you can't get enough uh, toilet paper to blow your nose. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't know about you. Now, I've been here for 46 years. I've been through every major hurricane, and I've seen some rough hurricanes, and I've seen some lines, and I've seen uh, the shelves empty, et cetera, et cetera. But this thing is, goes much, much further than that, okay? In, ter in terms of the outer effects. So what I'm saying is there needs, there needs to be something that's going to rattle their cages. We don't know what it is. It could be an economic disaster. It could be persecution to such an extent that they are finally come to their senses and, and realize that they need to get out as well as their children and their children's children those who have got the funds, those who have got the foresight, will get out safely. But there'll be many, many, many millions around the world that will not have the foresight, will not have the finances. That's where we come in. That's where God says, the nations shall come to the aid for Aliyah. Jeremiah 16, please. Jeremiah 16 and verse 14. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord liveth, 
that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Now man, that was a, that was a tremendous undertaking. Millions of people coming out of bondage, coming out from under their oppressors, none of them sick, none of them subject to any kind of illness. God provided for them supernaturally water in the desert, manna, quail, protection, direction, fire by night, cloud by day. God provided for them supernaturally. And yet, verse 14 here says, that it shall no more be said that the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. However, let's go on, verse 15. But the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all of the lands whither he had driven them, and I will bring them again into their land that I gave unto their fathers. So God here is himself is prophesying and telling us that this next Aliyah is going to be so much greater than even the first Aliyah out of Egypt. Now again, that blows my mind because of all the miraculous things that God did with his people Israel, millions of them. Millions of them, okay? Now, these millions are not coming out of one country, but they're coming out of countries all over the world. I mean South America, North America, uh, Africa, uh, 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 Europe, uh, Asia, uh, the islands of the sea, Australia, New Zealand. There are Jews, saints, in every single country in the world. Sometimes just a remnant, sometimes a hundred, sometimes a thousand. But those hundred, those thousand must come home to fulfill the hearts of the Father. Amen? And so I'm excited because I see what needs to be done. I don't understand how it's going to be done. But you know what? That's not my problem. That's his problem. All I need to do and, and we need to do is be ready and, and, and be wherever God wants us to be. And while we're talking about that, why are we where God has us right now? Why are we going to these meetings every other Sunday morning uh, throughout the week, synagogues, country clubs, etc., etc.? It's not just to be there and to participate in the talks and the, the uh, uh, lectures and all of that stuff, but it's to serve the Jewish people. And they look at us, and they sometimes wonder, some of them have even come up to us and saying, why, why are you guys here? I mean, we're the only Christians in a group of five or 600 Jews. I mean, number one, it's God's doing, it's God's assignment. It's God's appointment. We've got to be there. But why are we there? Number one, to serve them. Number two, to befriend them. 
Number three, to let them know, even though we don't talk about it right now, because they're not ready to receive it. They're not ready to receive this whole concept of Aliyah and returning to, to Israel, even though it's in their Tanakh. But the problem is they don't read their Tanakh. They don't know what's, what's in there, okay? But there will come a day, there will come a day when the going gets rough and us are going to get going with it. <laughs> Do you understand? And you can join us as well. So we're building relationships. We're establishing trust so that they know that we're not there to evangelize them. We're not there to convert them. We're not there to push Messiah down their throats. Although we see signs amongst them that they too are talking more and more about the return of Mashiach, Messiah. They don't call him Yeshua like we do, but they know that there is a Messiah that is going to return. And, and even the rabbis are starting to get a little bit restless now, and they're starting to see things, and they're starting to say even amongst themselves and even to their people, Mashiach is returning soon. Mashiach is returning soon. Okay? Well, before that happens, some other things are going to have to happen. And we believe Aliyah and the return of the Jews to Israel has got to come first and foremost. Isaiah 14 and verse 1 says, For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob and will yet choose Israel and set them in their own land, and the strangers shall be joined with them, and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob. And the people shall take them and bring them to their place. And the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord for servants and handmaidens. So here again we see that there are people who are going who are strangers who are actually going to take the Jewish people to their lands, okay? We are connected globally, I say we, our ministry, Aliyah Ministries International, Teddy and Wendy Campo, we are connected to people who fly planes. We are connected to boat captains. There are several of them right here in Fort Pierce. We're hooked into an organization called the Christian Boaters Association. The Christian Boaters Association are all set and ready to go. They've got boats standing by to take the Jews back home. Now, some of them will be taking them offshore. Some of them will be taking them to the Bahamas. But there are plans. There are plans that are being made. There are relationships. There are contacts. Uh, there's a team of believers out there who we are working closely with. On one hand, we're working with the Jews. On the other hand, we're working uh, with the body of Christ because we believe that they'll be coming together and working together someday. It says so right here in the Word. It's not a theory. It's the Word. And finally, Isaiah 49 and 22, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the Gentiles and set up my standard to the people 
and they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and their daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. Excuse me. So we see God here actually setting up a, a visual representation of what is going to be going on as the Gentiles take their place, as the Gentiles come into that position of kingdom commitment where they see the Word of God and they see the Word of God is the heart of God and they want to have the heart of God and they want to follow the heart of God and they want to obey God and so they are ready to do whatever it takes to roll up their sleeves and to work on behalf of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Bless the Lord. I'm going to have uh, Pastor Jaime come and uh, close us and then if those of you who would like, um, I'm going to stick around for a while, have a kind of a question and answer uh, time um, to, um, I know some of you have got questions about Israel, what's going on, what's not going on, and um, I'd be happy to answer those questions. Uh, I'm going to give the pastor, this is my, my dear brother in the Lord. Uh, Pastor Jaime uh, Torres. Um, uh, Pastor Torres um, pastors a group, and you'll see his family and friends right here in the second row uh, today. That was his daughter, Valeria Torres, who ministered to us, worshiped to us earlier. Bless the Lord. Um, their congregation is called Beit Mashiach the House of Messiah. It meets every Saturday morning at 10.30 on Shabbat down here just south of um, uh, Prima Vista on US-1 with uh, Cornerstone Church meets on the normal. Any of you past Cornerstone Church? They're, they're in a little shopping strip there. Anyhow, they meet there every um, um, Shabbat, every uh, Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. If some of you would like to get a taste of Jewish worship, etc., you already had a taste today. Uh, that was a teaser. I uh, encourage you to come. Also, uh, on um, Passover, uh, uh, we're celebrating Passover together on Thursday evening, April 9th. April the 9th. We'll be there at 7 o'clock. Uh, if any of you, it's not, it's not going to be a Seder but it will be a celebration of uh, uh, Passover, and so we'll be uh, doing that together that night as well. Pastor? Uh, thank you for having us here. Uh, it's a great honor. Like I said, uh, Pastor Teddy. It's a great honor to be here. Um, Pastor Teddy invited us, and we actually, we really, really enjoyed being here. Uh, for those who weren't here in the beginning with the worship, it was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, our congregation is a house of worship. We're also a house of prayer. So we believe in the Messiah. Jesus is our Messiah, and we believe we we are part of Israel. Jesus, when we accept the Messiah, we become part of Israel. And that's who we are. With that being said, um, we're united. We are the body of Messiah. 
and I've been studying today on, on, on the menorah, and the menorah is made of a solid, solid piece of gold, purified. Seven, seven branches. branches lit up, and that's unity. That's the light of Messiah, and that's who we are. Mm -hmm. That's who Messiah is in us, and we need to come together. As Pastor Teddy said, not just for us, but for our brothers, the Jewish people, for their eyes, for their veils to be torn off, so they can see Messiah, so they can accept Messiah as their Lord and Savior. But not just that, but also to the promised land. So thank you for inviting us here. It's a great pleasure. I hope this is not the first and last time that we can gather again. Um, I want to take us into the ironic benediction. So if everyone, if we can all stand and just bow your head. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yurikha Adonai Berish Barikha Yair Adonai Palabeneja Vijuneka Isa Adonai Palabeneja Viasem Leja Shalom May Yahweh bless you and keep you May Yahweh make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May Yahweh lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. And bring you peace. In Bishem Yeshua HaMashiach. And our soon coming Prince of Peace, Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. Amen. May you all be blessed. Amen. Let's hear it for him tonight. Thanks, my brother. dynamic words, go to mytcbc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. So remember to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you.